So thank you, Ratio. Ratio didn't know. Um, he may have guessed what text we would be in. But the perfect song, he sang the perfect song. We didn't talk about this, but he sang the power of love. And as I thought about what I was reading in John chapter 12 this week, you see this, 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 this astonishing act of love from Mary, right? And, uh, and then you see Messiah coming into Jerusalem to lay His life down for His people. So, what, have we, what, did we just, what book did we just get through, finish, uh, did we just get through uh, studying in young adults? What was it? Crazy love. And so, crazy love comes into my mind, right? This crazy love that Mary has for Jesus Christ, right? And this crazy love He has for her. And she only loves Him because He's loved her, right? We know what the Scripture tells us. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I was thinking about Francis Chan. There's, a, there's an addendum in that book where he uh, answers a few questions. And somebody asked him, well, why did you come up with this title, Crazy Love? And this is what he said. The idea of crazy love has to do with our relationship with God. All my life I have heard people say, God loves you. It's probably one of the most insane statements you could make to say that the eternal Creator of the universe is in love with me. This is a, there is a response that ought to take place in a believer if that's true. A crazy reaction to that love. Do you really understand what God has done for you? If so, why is your response so lukewarm? Now, we studied this book for, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks, whatever it was, and Francis Chan was calling us into a crazy love relationship with God. And this is what Mary is in. You, 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 as we develop the text, you'll see more of the particulars, but if you're familiar with the text, Mary is in a all-out, passionate, unreserved, hold-nothing-back love relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the relationship she's in. And this is the kind of relationship Chan calls everyone into, and obviously the biblical gospel calls us into as well. So, in Chan's book, chapter 4, he has a, an amusing uh, title, Profiles of the Lukewarm, right? <laughs> I think we spent a couple of weeks in this um, particular chapter. It's a little bit uh, weighty. Uh, early on in the chapter, he says, Has your relationship with Christ actually changed the way you live? Obviously, if you've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the, the, the living God, the Creator God, the Redeemer God, everything changes, right? And I, I won't give you the list, but he has an exhaustive list of what a, a lukewarm person looks like, right? And the conclusion, of course, is, how could you be lukewarm if you know Him? And the answer is you can't. You simply can't. And we know what Jesus says, what He'll do with the lukewarm on the last day. Those who profess to... to uh, you know, those members of His church who profess to love Him but don't. Jesus says what He'll do on that last day with the lukewarm is, someone tell me, He will spit them. Actually, the, lit, the, the, the literal is, I will vomit you out of My mouth. And so, Jesus is making it clear for us to understand. If it's real, everything changes. If it's real, you'll be like Mary. If it's real, you're like Mary. 
right? So we'll see what Mary does in this great chapter. Let me just give you one more Chan quote and I'll be done with Chan. There's something wrong, he says, when our lives make sense to unbelievers. So I'll just ask you to examine your own life. Does your life make sense to the unbeliever? It shouldn't in the most important way. So recap John 11. We just got out of John 11. I love John 11. I could preach John 11 every Sunday. You would grow weary of it, but I don't think I would. Uh, It's just pure truth and power and joy. Uh, Jesus more or less gives us a a tutorial for how to, to walk the Christian life, particularly in the hard spot. We learn... Uh, in John 11 that, and hopefully most of you knew this already, if you've been around very long, of course you do, it's not about you, it's about the glory of God. It's always been about the glory of God, it will always be about the glory of God, it's not about you and your reflection in the mirror, and that's a good thing. So we talked a lot about that. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, so he tarried two days and let Lazarus die. How is this love? We talked about it. Uh, I haven't posted the sermon yet, but you, you, uh, if you don't know John 11, I, I invite you to go out and listen to the sermon. How is this love? His, de- his delay was love because it was about the glory of God. And what is the glory of God to, to the people of God? What is the glory of God to the people of God? What is that lesson, right? The glory of God to the people of God is what? Joy. Right? Joy. So when God pursues His glory, He's pursuing the believer's joy. And God is always pursuing His glory, so He's always pursuing your joy. This is a big deal. You know, (laughs) it's a big deal for us to understand this. So His delay was about the glory of God. It's about His people's joy. The delay was about what He wanted to do in the the, the, the lives of that family. His delay was about what he wanted to do in the disciples' lives. You remember what he said? You're going to believe now. You'll believe more. You'll believe. His delay was about the lives of the witnesses that would be converted. And his delay was about you and me coming to our Savior. And his delay was about the elect from every nation, tongue, and tribe who will come to him as they read John's account of how incarnate God called a man dead four days out of the tomb. So the trial was about the glory of God. It was about the joy of the believer. It's about the sovereign purpose of God in our life. Right? We have open hands as Christians. Lord God, whatever Your will is, right? Whatever brings You glory, because I know it will bring me joy. Amen? This is the way we learn. To pray, the forever implication is God's glory is a done deal, which means your joy is a done deal. Right? You you don't have to worry about that. God knows how to uh, bring joy to His people. So let me set the stage here for John 12 as we get into the text. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. John 11.45, it tells us that many believe because of this great miracle. John 11.53 says that the religious leaders are continuing to plot to kill God. I know it's hard to believe, but these guys, they can't 
get out of their own way. John 11.54 tells us that Jesus withdrew to spend some time with His disciples. So verse 1, chapter 12 of John. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. He's on His way to Jerusalem. He's on His way to the Passover feast. This will be the last one. I know the Jews still celebrate, but this is really the last one because the Lamb of God will be sacrificed. He's on His way to the cross. Verse 2. So they made Him a supper there and Martha was serving as she always is. We see her in Scripture. She's always serving. This is, this is a, uh, obviously a, an amazing Christian attribute. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Okay, it's a dinner, and we know from the other Gospels, this, this account is in three Gospels, okay? So it's, the Lord wants us to, learn, to understand this. There's something here we need to understand. It's in three of the four Gospels. Um, so, it's a dinner party at Simon the leper's house, which we learn. Obviously, this is Simon the former leper. If he was still a leper, they wouldn't be having dinner at his house. So, this is Simon, the former leper, is there. Oh, Lazarus, the former dead guy, is there. And, you know, Martha and Mary, the former uh, bereaved or ex-bereaved sisters are there. So, this is a huge occasion, right? And the living God is there. This is big. This is a big occasion. Um, I can imagine the conversation. Ex-dead guy, ex-leper, son of God. Can you imagine what that would be like? And what I want to say to you is, you know, sometimes I think we read the Bible in, like, it, it, in chapters of, and it becomes disconnected. Listen, this, what Mary's about to do, it just flows right out of John 11. She is so in love with Christ, she cannot help herself. I hope that you find yourself in that position often. I am so in love with Him. I can't worship Him the way I want. I can't say it. I can't sing it. I can't pray it. I can't do it. But He knows, right? He knows. He knows I love Him. To the very bottom of my heart, He knows it. He knows it. So, this is just flowing out of John 11. She just watched, you know, her God bring her dead brother out of the tomb. And she can't, she can't restrain herself. She needs to worship Him. It's just like you, right? You have to worship Him. You know, I, a seminary professor said, you know, if they put a machine gun down here and... and you know, you had to get on the other side to worship Jesus. It would not stop one real Christian. You'll charge the gun. You know, it's that real. It's that powerful in our lives. So if we get John 11 right, we get John 12. <laughs> we understand what Mary. We understand what Mary is doing. So, verse three: Mary therefore took a pound of costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Okay, so I want to get in Mary's head just for a minute. Um, 
She'd seen her brother come out of the grave. And she's sitting across the table from God. Now, I just want you to kind of feel this, right? It gives me goosebumps to think about it. You know, you just have to put yourself in their shoes, right? She's sitting across the table from God and she's looking at God. And she's thinking, I got to worship him, man. I got to do it. <laughs> I got to do it. I want to do it. What can I do? She's at Simon, the ex leper's house, and she goes, I know. And she excuses herself. She runs down the road. She goes into her bedroom and she gets the most valuable thing the family owns it's a vial of pure nard worth a year's wages. Why would she have this? Well, sometimes it's used for burial. Um, it's just an expensive, kind of extravagant thing to have, really. Um, maybe it was a, an inheritance. We don't really know. But she, she goes and gets that. She comes back. She comes back to Simon's house and she's looking at him again. It's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then she's thinking, I cannot not do this. <laughs> right? And it's like, I, 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 again, this is my imagination. I think their eyes meet. I think her eyes meet Jesus' eyes. And I think he says, do what's, all in, do what's in your heart, my daughter. Do what's in your heart. And she breaks the vial, alabaster vial, worth something in and of itself. And she pours it on the head of Jesus. One of the, of the accounts tell us. And she also knelt down and poured it on his feet. She let down her hair and she wiped his feet. She could not love her. She could not love him in any more extravagant way than that. And I just want to ask you, do you understand what she's doing? Do you understand it? Do you love Him like that? Do you understand the impulse to worship Him with the most valuable thing you own? Do you understand the impulse? If you understand the impulse, you understand the value of Jesus. If you don't understand the impulse, you really don't understand the value of God incarnate come to save a people for the glory of His name. You really don't understand it yet. She could not help herself. She broke the vial. This perfume, it's from, it's from the Himalayas, right? And it was extremely valuable. Um, royalty would wear this scent and this fragrance. And we learn from verse 5 in our text that it was worth 300 denarii, which is a day, uh, basically a year's wages for a common laborer. I looked it up. You know, in Italy you see different things. You see $7 an hour, $10 an hour for a common laborer. So we're talking 15,000 euros to 20,000 euros. We bring it up into our context. She just poured out 20,000 euros. Okay? <laughs> okay? This is what she did. This is a ton of money in the first century. It's a ton of money. She broke it. You know, 
One thing you notice is she didn't dab it on him, right? She poured it on him. She just poured it out on him. Twenty thousand. Let's just say for round figures, twenty thousand, twenty thousand euros. This is crazy love. And I'm just going to ask: Do you understand? Do you get the impulse? Do you understand it? Do you understand why a man or woman could love, or or or, or in fact does love Jesus Christ like this? Could you ever envision yourself loving Jesus Christ like this? I think this is an important question for us to consider. So, again, this flows right out of John 11. She loves Him. You know, He said, all that's happening here is for the glory of God. And He was right back in John 11. And He said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And He was right. So, yeah, this is a big deal for her. And I just want to make a few observations about what Mary has done. Might be informative for us. First, her worship is unrestrained. Again, she had a pound of pure nard. She, she didn't hold anything back, right? <laughs> don't, don't you know that sometimes we have this inclination to, 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 to hold ourselves back? She held nothing back. She laid it all out there, 20,000 euros worth. Um, Mark 14.3 tells us that she broke the vial, poured it on His head, and anointed His feet. There's no, there's no reserve here. This is lavish, wholehearted, passionate worship. I'm just going to ask you, do you understand this? If you call yourself a Christian, you should understand this. You should understand this impulse. And you should give yourself to it. This is why you were created and why you were redeemed. To worship God like this. To delight in God like this. This is what He's called us to, beloved. It's crazy love, man. It's crazy love. And some of you know, you've worshipped like this in the past, then what happens? We know what's going to happen in the text. What happens? She gets critiqued, right? By Judas, the thief and betrayer, and by other disciples. I think it's Mark 14 that tells us that their other disciples chimed in, right? And she was critiqued. When you love Jesus extravagantly, religious people don't like it. Pseudo-Christians, people who are just church members and churchgoers, they don't like it when they watch you love God like they don't want to love God. If we know anything about the Gospel, we know how we should love God. You know, we should reciprocate in the way that He has loved us with all of Himself, right? What did Jesus withhold from you? Tell me. What did He withhold from you to save your rebellious soul. What did He withhold from you? Nothing! The true believer gets it. Right? We get it. We understand what she's doing. You know, 
the pseudo-Christian, the lukewarm Christian, they don't love Him like that and they don't want to watch you love Him like that because it convicts them about how much they don't love Him. So listen, don't be afraid of being critiqued. You will always be critiqued when you love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You will always be critiqued. The second thing, her worship is extravagant. Yeah, 20,000 euros. <laughs> you know, Piper says inauthentic worship calculation vanishes. You know, she's not over there budgeting. She's not over, she's not across the, she's looking at God in the flesh. God man, right? She's not budgeting. She's not calculating. She's just worshiping. She's just loving Him. It's extravagant. Of course, Judas, verse what? Yeah, verse 4, 5, and 6 there. He critiques her. And again, we learn in other passages that she receives criticism from other. Some people said, this was wasted. Was it wasted? You tell me. Or was it the best use of 20 grand? Was it wasted? Or the best investment she'll ever make her whole life in the kingdom of God, right? They critiqued her and said it was wasted. You know, and here's the thing you got Mary and you got Judas. Every one of us in here, we're either Mary or we're Judas. There's no religious place to be in the middle. And I know this is harsh. This sounds harsh. Jim, that sounds harsh. Hey, I say these things in love, okay? I say this in love. We are either Mary, we get it, or we are Judas. We don't get it at all. Okay? This is humanity. There's no religious place in the middle. I know people like to try to stand in some middle religious place. Well, I don't really love him too much, but, you know, I'll throw a few euros in the offering plate, or I'll say a few prayers, or I'll say something nice, or I'll attend church when it's not too inconvenient. Listen, what I want to say to you lovingly is we are Judas or we are Mary. There's nowhere in the middle. We can deceive ourselves about occupying some middle ground, but there is no middle ground, ultimately. And I think if you're biblically literate, you understand that. So, and Jesus says, what is Jesus? Jesus comes to her defense. And he, what does He say in about three of the Gospels? No, two of them, two out of the three. Let her alone, Judas! Right? And the other, leave her alone! Right? Don't you love it? He comes to her, her defense. Leave her alone! You don't understand anything she's doing. You don't understand the love relationship I have with her. You don't understand what it means. Shut up! Right? You don't have a clue what she's doing. You have no idea what she and I have going on. Right? So he comes to her defense. And I'll ask you again, do you think it was a waste? Do you think it was imprudent? Do you? It depends on how you value Christ. It depends on how you value Christ. 20,000 euros? That's nothing compared to the value of Jesus Christ. He is the highest value in the universe. And I, I guess you noticed he did, she, she did another shocking thing. What was the other thing? Okay, 20,000 euros. What was the other thing she did? She let down her hair. You, first century Jewish women never let down their hair in the presence of men. They never, ever, 
ever publicly let down their hair. They never did it. She didn't care at all. Right? Hair comes down the hair. <laughs> you know, and she's 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 using her hair to wipe the, the, the perfume on his feet, right? I mean, this is just a shocking, stunning exhibition. And everybody, everybody in the room, their mouth has just dropped open. And of course, she's being criticized. It's just a shocking display of, of her love for God. Thirdly, her worship was today. Don't you love I love this part. Carpe diem, right? <laughs> her worship was now. I know some of you have great plans and you're going to worship God in some great and awesome way. And you're going to do some great and awesome work for God in the future. I understand you have awesome plans to make much of God sometime in the future. Okay, can I lovingly say to you, you have today and that's it. You may get tomorrow, you may not. You may get your 82 years. You, 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 some of you won't. Statistically, with the number of people we have in here, statistically, some of you won't make it to your 82 years. Okay? You won't make it. So, you know, okay, I'm an old man, but um, I think on our, was it our 30th reunion or something, or 40th reunion? I don't remember how many high school reunions we've had now, but like 30% of my class was dead already. My graduating class. It's like, you know, maybe it was in the water. I don't know. I don't know. But... Listen, what I'm saying is, worship Him now. Every now. Every now. You only have a few nows. Worship Him now. She, took, she grabbed it, man. She grabbed the opportunity. She had the impulse and she did it. And I've often wondered, you know, the other disciples, I've often wondered, they, they, they didn't really fully understand yet that He was going to be gone in a week. And I just wonder, when they, think, when they thought back, I just wonder, you know, man, I wish I'd have done something like that too! Right? You don't take for granted that you'll have tomorrow. Okay? I think we should emulate Mary here. And I, and I just want to say this. I think maybe she did have insight that maybe no one else had. You know, you remember in Luke chapter something... Uh, I want to say 10, but I'm not sure. You remember when Martha and Mary, Jesus was over and, and Martha was making all the preparations and, and, and Martha was complaining, you know, make, uh, make Mary help me, Jesus, because she's just sitting at your feet. And you remember, remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, she has chosen the good part. It will not be taken from her. She's sitting at her Creator and Redeemer's feet. That's my paraphrase extended. So, um, I just, I'm just, all I'm saying is Mary valued her time with the Lord and I, I, I'm thinking she had maybe some insight that no one else had here. Because Jesus said, why did she do it? You remember what He said? She's done this for my burial. She's done this for my burial. And listen, this fragrance is going to be on Him all week. Okay? When... Uh, you know, the Pharisees questioned Him. They're going to smell royalty. And when Pilate questions Him, He's going to smell royalty. And when the soldiers nail Him to the tree, they're going to smell royalty. This fragrance is so strong, it will be on Him 
all the way to the grave, which is about six or seven days. Okay? <laughs> this is a big deal. Obviously, God's doing something here through Mary that she may not fully understand, but I think she has some insights that uh, she got it sitting at His feet. Lastly, Mary's worship was eternal. In one of the Gospel, or yeah, I think it's Matthew, yeah, it's, pardon me, it's Mark 14. These are the words of Jesus. Her worship is eternal. Which all true worship is. But Jesus says, Truly I say to you, wherever the Gospel is preached in the whole world, that which this woman has done shall be spoken of her. Jesus says, I'll never forget it ever. What she did. Listen, when you love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you don't care what anyone else says, and you extravagantly worship Him, He'll never forget it. You'll be laughing with Him in the new heaven and new earth thinking about that time. I can just see Jesus and Mary right now. Right? Do you remember the time, Mary, when you loved me like that? Can you imagine? Beloved, I'm saying to you, every day matters. I know we think, well, it's just another day. I just got to do my job. I just got to do the, you know, I just got to do my mundane stuff. Every day matters. And you can make it eternal. You make much of Christ in your job. You make much of Christ in your studies. You make much of Christ in, 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 in how you socialize. You make much of Christ on the Internet. So, Jesus loved it. <laughs> okay? He loved it. He loved it. I love that He loved it. It encourages me. And so, you know, something's true there, right? Her love, her, her beautiful display of love to God, it, it, it impacted the people there, but it impacts me. Every time I read this text, I realize I, I can love God more. I can love Jesus more. I can be more real in my life, right? I can be more extravagant. I love this text. I love who she was and how she loved God. I love the relationship that they had. So I challenge you to think about that. All right, let me ask you this. Do you think she, do you think she ever regretted it? Do you think she ever regretted it? Let me ask you. Do you think she ever regretted it? Anyone here think she regretted it? No. Do you think she regrets it now? She's there. She's probably looking at him right now. You think she regrets it now? You think she wished she'd have bought the beamer instead? Right? Listen, no Christian is going to be in the new heaven and new earth wishing they'd have brought, bought the beamer. Instead of making an offering to God, no Christian will ever do that. I promise you. Okay? The beamer's gone. It's dust. It's burned up. That's it's over. It's the old earth. It's over. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Hey, I want to tell you the first few months of this church, we had no money. We had every reason to suspect we would fail in the first year. And some American businessman walks into me and he starts asking me about tithing and stuff, you know. And I said, well, let's listen. Let's not get caught up in tithing. Let's just love God with our gifts, right? The whole 
thing Paul says in Corinthians. Um, tithing's not a bad thing, but we don't have to do law. You know, we can do more than law. And uh, so, um, he's, he gets emotional, right? And he hands me a check for $20,000. And it wasn't a check to me. And it wasn't a check even to the church. It was a check to God. I mean, he, he, he loves, he, he says, I can't, he was a former alcoholic. He'd had a really checkered past, right? And he'd had a hard life and God had delivered him. And he loved God. God used that man to get this church kind of settled, right, for the first couple of years. (laughs) Just one man, one check, bam, to the glory of God. All right, we're going to transition beginning in verse 12 here, and I'm going to cut this short. Um, Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem, okay? We've now moved from from the scene we've been talking about. Jesus is coming in on a donkey, right? And uh, so this is a famous text. You heard it read. Verse 13, The people were taking branches and palm trees and went out before to meet Him and began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Okay? Hosanna. Now there's probably a million people here. There's probably two million in Jerusalem for the feast. There's probably a million people caught up in this thing. This is huge, right? This is a big deal. And they're making more or less of a red carpet for Jesus and they're chanting Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Save us. Okay? It means save us. Right? Here comes crazy love from the divine side. Right? Of course, that's the only reason He's on a donkey. It's the only reason He was born. He's come to save a people for the glory of His name. Okay? So here He comes on a donkey. And uh, Hosanna. People, modern ears, they think, well, it means some kind of praise. No, it's a prayer. And it comes from Psalm 118.25. If you go to Psalm 118.25, you won't find the Hebrew word uh, Hoshiana. You won't find that. You won't find the, the, the English transliteration of Hosanna. You'll find save us. Save us, please. This is God is answering the prayer of Psalm 118.25. The prayer he started to answer in eternity past, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1 before the foundation of the world. Okay? So God is answering the prayer from eternity past. And I love this about prayer, right? You know? Do you know your prayers are before God in eternity past? Do you know that? People sometimes ask me, why should I pray? If He's sovereign, why should I pray? Your prayers are before God in eternity past. It matters. Prayer matters. It matters. Your prayers are before Him in eternity past. So, here comes crazy love. He's going to save His people, right? He's going to save His people. God is on a donkey. You gotta think about this. I just think we read this stuff and it's like, okay. He's on, God's on a donkey. He's gonna be scourged, right? And he's gonna be crucified, right? Because he loves his people. You know the Luke account, I won't go there. I'm gonna I'm gonna be finished in just a few minutes. Um, 
you remember the Pharisees started to pro- uh, complain about, about the people proclaiming the, the more or less Messiahship of Jesus. You remember that? And, and they said, stop, teacher, stop them from saying this. And what did Jesus say? Well, if they stop, what's going to happen? The rocks will cry out, right? <laughs> the rocks will cry out. You know, all, the whole created order knows He's God. The rocks know, the beasts, the birds, the, the, the beasts and birds and fish know, the devils know. It's just that some of you don't know and the world doesn't know yet. He is God. Men, men are the only creatures that suppress the truth, Romans chapter 1. So, He says, hey, if I don't, if I tell my men to shut up, the rocks are going to cry out. And let me just, you know, one of the beautiful biblical proofs of the Messiahship of Jesus is fulfilled prophecy. And part of the text here in John 12, it's a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. Let me read it to you quickly. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your King is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your King is coming to you. You can smell it if you doubt it. Royalty on a donkey. So why is He coming? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Jeremiah 31, 3, John 17, 3. He loves his people. That's why he's coming. Mary was all caught up in crazy love because her God has loved her in a crazy way. This is why Chan entitled his book the way he did. So I'm just going to close with Chan again, okay? Why did he entitle the book Crazy Love? This idea of crazy love has to do with our relationship with God. All my life I've heard people say God loves you. It's probably the most insane statement you could make to say that the eternal creator of this universe is in love with me. There is a response that ought to take place in believers. A crazy reaction to that love. Do you really understand what God has done for you? If so... Why is your response so lukewarm? So I lovingly challenge you, if you don't understand what Mary did, let's start with this way. If you call yourself a Christian and you don't understand what Mary did, I lovingly encourage you to go home and do some work with God. And if you're here and you don't profess to be a Christian, I'm glad you're here. You've seen what it's like. You've seen what the, the, you've seen what the love of a true believer looks like. Okay? I'm glad you're here. And I hope you understand. I hope you understand how much God has loved His people. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for this text. Mary can only love You because You have loved her. And we confess we can only love You because You've loved us. So Lord, I I pray we, we we would take the lessons from this text.
Are we Mary or are we Judas? Or do we profess to be something in between? There is nothing in between. We love you like Mary or we don't understand what it means to love you at all. Help us, Father, we pray. I pray for each one here. pray for myself that we would be extravagant in our love and worship of You. We love You and praise You. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table tonight. If you are a professing Christian and...